Amen. Well, I'm glad you came to worship the Lord this morning. I hope you are, and we're not going to move away from this. This is a good moment, and uh, we love lifting high the name of Jesus, but one of the greatest things we get to do is uh, open up His Word together. So why don't you find your seats where you're at, and uh, let's open our Bibles and uh, go with me to the book of James today. All right, so here's the deal. I know you're like, why aren't, why aren't we in the book of Mark? Well, we are actually taking a two-month uh, I know that's kind of crazy. Two-month break from the book of Mark as we get started in a new ministry year. Everybody's coming back from summer schedules. I know it's kind of Labor Day weekend, and so uh, some people are still on vacation trying to eke out that last bit of summer. Uh, but as we get into a, uh, a new groove, get back into our rhythms, I think it's really good for us as a church to ho- get, get honed in on Our DNA, what are the things that we're really trying to pursue together as a church? And so uh, today, uh, we're going to be in James chapter 2. And so while you are turning there, I really want you to have a copy of God's Word. Our ushers are coming around. If you need a Bible, just get their attention. We want you to have a copy of that. James chapter 2, while you're turning there, um, how many of you have ever played the Would You Rather game? Anybody ever played Would You Rather Um, All right, so here's how this works. Um, We just kind of give you a scenario, two different options, and you tell us which you would rather have. All right, so we're going to play a little bit. I'm just going to give you a few examples of how this works. Um, So so here's one. Uh, Would you rather go without the Internet or uh, go without air conditioning and heat? All right. So which, here's, we're going to get a chance to play here. So how many of you would say, I'd rather go without the internet? I can't, st- wow, yes, I, amen. Like I cannot stand air, uh, losing air conditioning. How many of you are on the other end of the spectrum and like, I don't care if I'm sweating out or freezing, I need my phone, I got to watch some Netflix. Okay, so a few, we're praying for you. Uh, how, about, how about this one? Would you rather win unlimited sushi for life or unlimited unlimited tacos for life. I know this is like super challenging here. Okay, how many of you are like sushi people? Like I just, and this is quality stuff, okay? All right, sushi people. How many, how many of you are my taco people? Yes, I love the taco. How many of you are feeling sick now just thinking about that? Anybody feeling sick? All right, how, how about this one? Uh, would you rather have terrible short-term memory or terrible long-term memory? Memory. Think about this. Think about this. There's some consequences to this one. All right. Uh, uh, all right. How many of you would say, I'd rather have terrible short term memory? I really want to hold on to those really important moments. In, okay. How many of you are like, that's why I have pictures and uh, I can't stand not knowing where my keys are at? How many of you have forgotten the question already? All right. Last one. Last one. Um, would you rather. Always crave Chick-fil-A every Sunday at noon or always order at a Starbucks that has just run out of pumpkin spice lattes. All right, so how many, how many people are like, man, I need my Starbucks. Like, I'd, I'd rather just deal with the cravings of Chick-fil-A. Anybody? I didn't think so. How many of you are like, I can't stand craving Chick-fil-A. I, I, I just give up the pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah, like this happens, doesn't it? This is kind of like the ultimate torture question in this. Okay, so um, would you rather is, uh, it's a really fun game to play. It's a great way to get some conversations Rolling, but here's the warning. Warning, look at me. 
don't try this at church. The problem is when we start to play, would you rather with people? Especially in the church. I'd uh, rather spend time with that person. Or I'd rather be in her group. Or I'd, I'd rather not have to put up with him. Or I'd rather go out to lunch with them on Sundays. Or, or I'd rather not be in this small group anymore. I'd rather be in that small group. Or I'd rather be their friends. See, it's, I think it's natural for us to put people into categories of who we'd prefer to get to know, the person we'd rather hang out with and who we wouldn't. Like, yes, um, you and and. And you for sure, and not you, and I don't, I don't know, we'll see. And, and you, and like, listen, listen, I, like, we would never say those things out loud, right? Like, who, like, how, how awful would that be? I mean, how hurtful would it be if you were actually saying those things out loud? But sometimes we're thinking that, aren't we? And, and some of us may not even be aware of the fact that we've been thinking this way and really treating people like this. But we might be even ashamed if people knew our thoughts about others. Who wants to be a part of a community where you never know if you're going to be accepted and wanted or not? So um, the reason that we're talking about this is because we're right here at the beginning of a new ministry year. And uh, I love this, that our church is growing. That's an awesome thing, and that gets me excited. And, and one of the things that, get, that gets me excited about is that means new people are going to be joining us very soon. And so I think it's time right now to make sure that we're setting the right tone, getting on the right trajectory, because we want to make sure that we are a loving church. And we want to make sure that it is obvious to everybody that here at Harvest there is a welcome without judgment and that we love without condition. And so I think we need this word, James chapter 2. Um, I just want to tell you, um, I want to speak this with so much gentleness, um, but this, this word has been coming for a while, all right? We need this, Harvest. James chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, let's listen and submit to what God wants to say to us today. Here's what he says. My brothers, show no partiality. If we could just stop right there. Like, man, if we could get that. If we could get that. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to that poor man, you stand over there or, or you sit down in my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen 
Has he not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are not they the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. All right, here's the deal. Let me just give you the big idea of this text because I just want to get on this, okay? A loving church doesn't show partiality. This is not part of the family of God. You get that? As we dive into this, let me just ask that, uh, God would challenge our hearts and maybe bring some conviction, but also comfort us and help us to get after this being a, a loving church. Father, I pray that you would, it's one of those words that, that I think we need as a church, and we want to be sensitive to your spirit right now. I pray that your spirit would be filling us. And God, that we would listen to you. And Lord, we just long so badly to be a church that is loving that when people walk in here, they know that they're not going to be judged, that we will welcome them with open arms. And that here they will find a family where they are loved, not with conditions. Lord, I pray that we would become this kind of community that is centered on the gospel, that makes Jesus look amazing. And I pray that in all of it, you would get the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're getting after this. If we are going to be a loving church, then I think there are two requirements in this text. Here's one. Um, note this. Let's get after this. Stop preferring people. Stop preferring people. Here's what he says, verse 1. Show no partiality. So to say that I am partial to something means that I prefer this over that. And in talking about people, what he's saying is it's possible that we would say, I'd, I'd rather be with this person, and by implication then, I'd rather not be with this person. I prefer this person over that. It's showing favoritism because somebody is more popular or more important or more connected and influential or, or, or more intelligent or higher up on a ladder. It's deciding that one person is more worthy than another of your time and attention because of the way they look or what they have or what being their friend might do for you, okay? Like, Chris and I have actually joked about this over the years. We, I don't even know how many times we've said this. Like, we need to make friends with somebody who has a boat. Like, do we know, do we know, do we know anybody that lives in Hawaii? Like, let's be friends with them, right? Like, we want to go on vacation with those kind of people. It's, it's, it's that kind of an attitude where we just want to have the friends that are going to be advantageous to us. What he's talking about is preferring people for selfish reasons or because of their social status. The issue here, the issue is uh, treating people differently because of how you perceive them and being partial to some people over others. And um, James uses this 
uh, jarring illustration here, and, and it's actually uh, possible that this was a real-life example. This was something that was actually happening, that he saw happening in his church. He's like, man, we got to get on this. Like, we, we can't have this happening, uh, but, but it's an illustration, an example for us, and actually I think it's um, one uh, that, that is pretty appropriate for us. Uh, we live in Fairfax County, which every year is um, listed as one of the top two or three richest counties in the United States. And so I would say this is definitely a scenario for us to watch out for. Uh, Here it is, verse 2. In walks a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing who comes into your assembly. So it's kind of easy for us um, to imagine this scenario on a Sunday morning. Dude walks into Lear on Sunday morning looking sharp, right? And and, and he's got like perfectly sculpted hair, uh, which is... Totally not fair. And, um, and he's got a, a beard that would rival a dwarf. And, and he's like tall enough that you're like wondering if he ever played for the Lakers. And, and his shoe game is strong. And he's got the right clothes. He's looking GQ. He kind of smells like the men's section at Macy's. And, 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 and uh, he's ripped. He's, he's obviously into CrossFit. And he'll probably tell you that. And, and then he rolls in in his sports car. And he can't even be bothered to take off his designer sunglasses while he's inside. And, and you're trying to talk to him. But he keeps having to look down at his Apple Watch because another CEO is still trying to get a hold of him. Here's the deal. This guy is on point, right? Now, for those of you um, men that think I'm talking about you, Just humor the rest of us, okay? Like, um, in walks another guy. This guy, the text says, is a uh, a poor man in shabby clothing. Uh, the word shabby could also mean filthy. So, quite honestly, this guy's clothes are kind of gross, and um, he kind of smells like this is the only thing uh, that he's worn for the last couple of months. Hasn't had a shower in a while, probably homeless, and obvious that he doesn't have the same advantages as the first guy. Probably nobody looking to hire him, and doesn't have a lot of friends. Can you, can you picture this? So if this kind of um, makes you uncomfortable, I think it's because uh, James is masterfully painting a picture that hits a little all too close to home. The emphasis is how you might treat those two guys differently. It seems pretty obvious that these guys um, are new here. They're new to church because they don't know where to sit. Um, We've got to show them where, where, where they're supposed to sit. And, and so while they're coming in, you might be tempted, James says, to, to pay attention, verse 3, pay attention to the one who wears fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place. So, so this is the kind of guy or girl that, that you're like, man, come sit next to me. Like, I, like, I'll show you where the worship center is. I got a seat. You can sit right next to me. And let's make sure that we get their phone number after service because we want to connect with them throughout the week. I mean, honestly, if we could get them into our small group, that would be a huge win for us, right? That would be awesome. And it almost becomes kind of competition to see who's going to get to those people first. Like, they're that awesome. You just tell right away. Those are the kind of people that we want to connect with. As opposed to the other guy, James says, while you say to the poor man, you you stand over there 
You sit down at my feet. It's just another way of saying, you're below me. You're not at my level. I'm not the kind of person that I'm really trying to connect with. You can just imagine, um, in walks the homeless guy, and I don't know that I am going to invite that guy to sit next to me. I don't know that I'm, he kind of smells, and kind of hoping that he's going to go sit in the back somewhere where nobody's going to notice him, and I'll make sure that I tell security to keep an eye on him. And maybe I comfort myself um, by thinking how wonderful I think it would be if our church would minister to that person. I'd want that. But if I'm honest, um, kind of hoping that somebody else will invite him to their small group, not ours. I don't, I, don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I mean, we've got kids in our small group, and we meet in somebody's house. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? You see, showing favoritism and partiality is evil. It's wicked. Who are you to judge? Are you the judge? Then, then why would you decide that one person is worthy of honor and another is not even worthy of your time and attention? That's what he's saying to us. Now, um, I think what this means for us is that I've always got to be careful that when I am drawn to somebody, which that happens, I get that, but if I am drawn to somebody, that I make sure that I'm not excluding or ignoring somebody else, right? I mean, how painful would it be to be on the receiving end of that? Like, man, I, don't, I guess I don't measure up. Like, of course they're going to go for them. And essentially be told that I'm not wanted or I'm forgettable. Now, I've been thinking about our church. And um, i, I got to tell you, I love this church. I love what God is doing here. One of the things that I love most is in, in this kind of a community is, is the diversity that we have. I love that. Um, but I've been thinking about that um, the last few weeks. It's kind of been brought to my attention. And I even had a conversation this week with somebody. And, and uh, we've kind of come to the realization, not that we didn't know this, but it's just good for us to um, kind of admit it out loud so that we make sure that this wouldn't become a danger to us. Um, we're a pretty white-collar community church. Okay? And uh, so what that means is we need to be careful not to look down our noses at anybody that wouldn't fit that description. And we need to make sure that we don't prefer to invest our time and our energy into pursuing only people that are like us. Is, is, is there a welcome without judgment here? 
Are there any believers that are willing and ready to just embrace anyone and everyone who would be drawn into worship with us? And even better than that, who would go out and look and invite and find people and say, come on, we want you to be a part of what God is doing here, even if they don't share the same background. Or maybe they don't fit a certain mold, but to say, that's the kind of people that we want to reach. We want to be welcome. We want to be inviting anyone. Now, I think we need to be careful here as we look at James chapter 2 that we don't start to think that partiality is only a temptation for the issues of uh, appearances or finances. Uh, because some people might read James chapter 2 and think this is all just about rich and poor. Like, and and, and that's, that's the issue. Now, listen, listen. That's an example that James is using. But I think we need to watch out for any preferences that would divide us. Any. And so I think we all need to be asking ourselves, am I, am I partial to certain kinds of people. If I stop and consider the, the people that I choose to spend my time with, most of my time, 75, 85, 95% of the time, the people that I hang out with and the people that I pursue, do I, do I, prefer, do I prefer people who are in the same stage of life as me? Do I, do I prefer people who are, who are single and who like to go out on the weekends? Or, or do I prefer people who are married with kids and more practical with their time? Or, or do I prefer people who are younger? Or do I prefer people who are older? Do I prefer people who dress a certain way or who are more trendy or more fashionable? Do I prefer people with a certain kind of personality that are more outgoing and they're more fun? Or people that are more driven and more professional? Do I prefer people who share similar interests as me? We do the same things. You buy the same things. We're going after the same things together. Do I prefer people who are well-read and well-informed? Do I prefer people who are traveled and, and have experienced more places and more cultures? Do I prefer people who like a certain lifestyle? Do I prefer people who have the same political leanings as me? Do I prefer people who have the same skin color as me? Listen, if any of these things would divide us and cause us to treat people differently, then we are becoming judges with evil thoughts. This is not a loving church. If we're truly an impartial church, then that is going to be evident by our love and by our diversity. Racially, culturally, demographically, you're going to see it all over the place. Stop preferring people is what James is saying to us today. Stop preferring people that are just like you or the kind of people that you want to be around and start looking for ways to embrace anyone and everyone in our church family. You want that? You want that kind of community? I know you do. So, so the question then is how? How, how? how do we do that? Well, here's the second requirement. Know this. Is get after this. Uh, change your perspective. you got to change your perspective. We're going to have to think differently. You're going to have to look at people the way God looks at them, okay? And let's look at this together. Look at verse 5, okay? Look down in the Scripture. Look at verse 5. Here's what it says. Listen, my who? Come on, somebody say, beloved brothers. 
This is the second time that he's actually called us brothers. He said it in verse 1. This should be a clue to us. What he's saying is, hey, we're family. We are brothers and sisters. And not just that, we are beloved brothers and sisters. Man, I hope you don't miss this. I hope you sense this. I hope that you hear this coming from what we're talking about here in church. I hope you feel this right here at Harvest, that you are loved. You are loved. You are loved by God. And you are loved by this church family. Beloved brothers, has God not chosen? That's election language there. Has not, God not chosen those who are poor in the world? Now, now, let me clarify something here, okay? This is a general truth. It's not an absolute truth. What he's not saying is, is that God always chooses the poor or that God only chooses poor people. It, 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 James is just kind of pointing out that that is so often the case that God chooses those who are needy in this world. God chooses those who are vulnerable to injustice in this world to try to prove to you that, that you may be tempted to cast that poor man aside and treat him with contempt, but that's not how God treats him. God cares for him. And God chooses Okay, so what that means is that if, if I belong to this church family, it is because God has chosen me to be rich in faith and an heir of the kingdom. And if you're a believer in Jesus, then he's chosen you too. But you got to know this. God did not choose you because he prefers certain kinds of people and you fit the criteria. As if God likes certain personalities, or he likes people with a certain temperament, or, or he likes people with certain abilities, and, and, and he's looking for people who really have potential and who are ambitious. No, no, no. Look, I want you to see this on the screen. This is so important that we know this about God. Romans chapter 2, verse 11. Listen, for God shows no partiality, none. He does not do it. God is not a partial judge. And the fact that God chooses me, man, this blows me away. Because he did not choose me because of what I've done or what I bring to the table or my personality or even my potential. God chose me and I don't deserve to be adopted into this family. So the question for me is, why? Why am I allowed to belong? And the answer is because of what Jesus has done for me. Right? James actually has just given us an image. Verse 2, he said, this man is, is wearing um, fine clothing. That, that word fine could also be uh, translated shining or, or sparkling. In fact, the, the, the word is actually used elsewhere to describe the appearance of angels. These angels are just shining out. But uh, it's also the same word used of Jesus in Luke chapter 23. As Jesus stood on trial before King Herod, here's what it says. King Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in, here's the word, here's the word, splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. See, this is how Jesus brought us together as beloved brothers and sisters by submitting 
to injustice and ridicule and being adorned in fine clothing as a joke. To be beaten and mocked on his way to the cross. This glorious son of God became what he did not deserve to give me what I do not deserve. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So come on, tell me, what do we have in common, brothers, sisters? What What do we have in common? We are brought together by Jesus, and his love is what binds us together. The gospel brings together addicts and executives, contractors and clerks, single working moms and stay-at-home moms, teenagers and seniors, sixth graders and CEOs, millennials and Marines, Republicans and Democrats, ambassadors and refugees, Asians and Latinos and Africans and Europeans. The church is the family of God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And in Him, we are one. So, we don't really need churches that are going to start promoting their uniformity. And I'm not trying to bash, but maybe you've heard this, that, that there are some that would say, well, we're a, we're a, we're a biker church. We're the church for the people with the tattoos who like to ride motorcycles. We're, we're a biker church. Or, or we're a young family's church. We're, you got kids, you got family. We're the church for you. Or we're a, we're a, a millennial's church. Or, or we're the church for the intellectuals. Or, or, or we're a church for the professionals. Or we're the church for the elderly and the traditional. Or we're the church for this particular ethnicity. Here's the deal. I I get that you may be more effective at reaching people, but let's stick to Jesus. We need to be careful that we wouldn't look down on and treat people differently if they don't share the same particulars as we do. Or I think we're just promoting new forms of segregation. And that's as foreign to the gospel as the divisions that even our secular culture can recognize as wrong. And I remember years ago, um, I was uh, driving through a, a city, actually getting a tour uh, of a city. Um, yes, it was in the southern United States, and somebody was uh, driving around with me and just telling me where things were at. And, and he looked over and he said, right over there, that's the, that's the black church. I said, what? He said, yeah, that's, like, that's the, the black church, and over there is kind of like the white church. And I'm thinking, like, how is that still a thing? Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and has made us beloved brothers and sisters. How is that still a thing? And why would we pursue anything other than our unity in Christ? See, the gospel needs to be at the center of our community, nothing else. And so let me tell you how that plays out here at Harvest, how we think about this. Maybe you've noticed this, but we do not form small groups around common interests or stages of life. We don't do that. We don't do that on purpose. 
There are some things that we think about when we put groups together. We think about uh, local geography, like where do people live? I mean, that's kind of a thing. Like where's traffic patterns and, and, and are they going to be able to get to that location? And schedules and availability and what night would you be able to meet? And the size of our group and, and, and the size of the host home. Those are pretty much the only strategic factors that we think about. The reason that we would make sacrifices and drive through the traffic to go meet with people on a weeknight who are not like us and still celebrate our unity is the gospel. Man, we don't want to be unintentionally forming cliques, but purposefully pursuing the kind of beautiful diversity that reflects the community of heaven. Which means that's not a burden, it's our joy to do that. And we would long to see the church looking more like Christ intended. Like the church we're going to celebrate and worship with for all of eternity. You ever, um, maybe this has happened to you. Have you ever found yourself accidentally twinning with somebody? Has that ever happened? Like you, you, you got up in the morning, you put on some clothes, and you went to work, and you realized like you're, you put on like the same exact shirt as somebody else. You didn't mean to. You're like, hey, look, we match. I feel like that's the way it should be on Sunday mornings and in small groups. That when we get together, it's like, hey, hey, look, we both love Jesus. We may not have the same clothes. We may not have the same stage of life or similar schedules or personalities and likes and desires. In fact, we may not have much in common at all except this one thing that should stand out and mean more than anything, it's Jesus. That's it. Meaning, you might have to change your perspective about how you've been viewing some people in our church or in your small group. Hey, these are the people. This is family. And we are pursuing deeper relationships with Christ. We're going to worship him together. We're going to walk with Christ. And we do that in community, encouraging one another, exhorting one another, bearing one another's burdens, loving one another, serving one another. And we get after the mission, the Great Commission, together. We got work to do, guys. Let's get after this. Now, some of you, I, I just want to say this because I think some of you might be wrestling with this. Let me just tell you, there's nothing wrong with having friends. Nothing wrong with having friends. In fact, I think it's a, it is a blessing from God to have friends who are close to our hearts because we've shared laughs, we've shared tears, and we've formed this bond over years of doing life together. But listen to me, the gospel won't allow us to be exclusive or partial. And so I need to be asking this question. Like, are the circle of my friends, this, this, the people that I hang out with, is this really centered on Christ or myself? And am I loving others well? Or is there a common thread of people that I prefer? Am I treating others as less than deserving of my time and attention? James says, why are you treating them like that? Verse 6, you are dishonoring the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you? 
And the ones who drag you into the courts, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? What he's saying is God's kingdom and the world's system are diametrically opposing values. It makes sense in the eyes of the world to prefer people of social status or better positions. But here's what James is saying. Historically, people who have wealth and power oppress those who don't. Those people that are below them. And what he's trying to help us understand is that's not the way it works in God's kingdom. I love this, verse 8. He says, the royal law. How cool is that? It's the law of God's kingdom when he reigns in righteousness. That law is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself means that I need to consider you more important than me. I, I need to uh, look to your interests and pursue serving you with a greater intensity than I use to protect my own self-interests. And we want to be known as a, a loving church that exalts Christ. It's a joy. You guys make it a joy for me to serve this church. And I love that so many of you are getting after this. And you love well. And you want to make sure that we keep loving well. And so as we start a new ministry year, this needs to be a warning for us. A loving church doesn't show partiality. Because he says, verse 9, if you show Partiality doesn't get any more clear than this, does it? If you show partiality, you're committing sin. I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit is using his word to bring conviction into your heart on the way that you've been viewing certain people. Maybe the way that you've been treating people, intentionally or unintentionally, not meaning to, but treating them as though you would prefer others over them. God's word would tell us that that is sin. What do we do with sin? Let's confess that. Knowing he's faithful and just to forgive us. Praise God. And let's start repenting. We're going to make some changes. And what, what's your part to play in helping us become a loving church? It is not partial. What's the one thing that you can do this week? To reach out and pursue unity in our church. Pursue unity in your small group. Or to invite and welcome others to come and worship with us. Father, I pray that Lord, we just want to be a community where the gospel is the center. Where it is obvious that we love Christ, and because we love Christ, we love one another. And not just the people that are easy to love, not just the people that we prefer, 
but we are willing and eager to embrace and serve and love and care for anyone and everyone who wants to be a part of this church family. And God, we're going to confess that this is not going to be easy, and there's certainly spiritual warfare in this. That Satan would not love nothing more than for our church just to be divided and, and to be full of a bunch of cliques and people that just want to hang out with their friends and don't want to don't want to welcome and don't want to open up our circles. God, just I'm praying that you are going to have victory over that. Thank you for the promise that you are building your church. And I pray that as we pursue this together, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in us. Lord, as we start a new ministry year, we're aware that new people are going to be coming. And I pray that we would welcome them as Christ has welcomed us. Lord, I pray that it would be true of us that everyone would know that when we say you are loved, we really mean it. That you would get the glory in all of it. Go with us as we repent and walk in love and unity together. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.